Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela. And I'm Lori. And today we're going to talk about our personal growth on Poshmark and how we have evolved as resellers on the platform. This may not be the most glamorous part of reselling, but it sure is important if you want to see continued growth year after year. In this episode, we are going to share with you our numbers, what brands have been selling best for us, our strategies for sourcing, listing, and making those sales. Great. (laughs) See you at the table. (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) It's that kind of day, Lori. It's fine. No, it's been that kind of month. I don't know if anybody, if you, I don't know if you watched my last video where I had like 17 interruptions. Yes. Yes, so, I saw. So today I, I think. watching it last night. Yeah. All right. I just, that was, and so how's everybody doing? Yeah, no, uh, I'm good. Things are good. Today is uh, a big day here in town. There's a feast going on. It started on Wednesday night. It's a big Italian feast, uh, rides, food music all that fun stuff yeah and tonight's the last night so there'll be fireworks tonight assuming weather will cooperate because yesterday weather did not cooperate and they couldn't they did like they do like a candlelight procession um at night on the saturday but they had to like cut it short because of the rain um it was like weird yesterday was thundering and downpouring and then would stop and then weather has just been nuts yeah and like right now the sun is shining but in like a half hour it's probably going to start raining it's just crazy um and then tonight assuming weather permits 10 p.m is fireworks so that's so nice what what is is it a particular feast yeah so it's like a town in italy it's Etri. so they have their little feast that they do um for their church and then in two weeks it'll be saint rocco's uh Mm -hmm. feast and that's the church that we belong to so they'll have a little thing and their food there is very good um and then labor day weekend is the feast of of the town where my family's from and they'll do fireworks and food and there'll be italian music and everything too and then that next weekend is the greek festival which is all food which is amazing so food food and more food and more food so like after fourth of july here it is just like feast 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 and then labor day hits and there's one last food festival and then there's nothing (laughs) that's so exciting i know they have smaller feasts i think they have I think they have the Feast of St. Rocco in Boston, but we go every year to the Feast of St. Anthony, mm-hmm. which is like the last Sunday in August. And it's right on Hanover Street mm-hmm. in, um, in Little in you know, in the North End. And it's, it's awesome. We have friends who live there, the, you know, oh, nice. first generation like you mm-hmm. and um, their parents speak all Italian and they are, um, they, they live in the neighborhood. So they come around with the statue and you put the money yep, on the statue, statue and, yep, we, do the same and we go to have there. shots of limoncello and it's, it's tradition. <laughs> so last, you know, last year it was canceled. So we're looking forward to it. And the kids who go back to college, they always you know it's the first Sunday of August, I believe, because the kids who go to college mm-hmm. miss it. So they're always like, once they graduate, they're like, ah, oh, no more feasts. They get sad. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fun. And then I've never been to the one in New York for uh, San Gennaro. That's like a, that's a big feast in little Italy in New York. I've never been, my grandma and my mom have been, they said it's really nice. So it's on the list. It's on the yeah. list of things like to go. Us Italians like to have a lot we of We find food. our people. <laughs> yeah. Us Italians <laughs> eat a lot of food and we find reasons to eat food. So this is one of them. Mm, it's food so yummy. <laughs> so much good food. So yeah, that's that's today. And then, you know, I filmed two YouTube videos today. So that's great. So that's done. I have one for next week and one they'll go up tonight. 
and um, I got a photograph just I got a photograph and I need to list I feel you girl that's it that that's what I need to do I'm in desperate need of a thriftless month maybe we institute thriftless August like thriftless in July instead of Christmas oh, yeah. in July we could do that thriftless <laughs> in July Yes, absolutely. Well, when you think about it, and I think we'll see that today when we talk about our numbers, July tends to be one of those months in general in retail and real estate and everything where it's just slower because school gets mm. out, people on vacation, 4th of July. This is like a big vacation, like hangout. But not for long. We got about two weeks and then it's like back to school, full force. Mm-hmm. Then everything you comes know, um, I know like on Amazon, a lot of people are selling backpacks already and school supplies and they're flying. So, um, but it's just different stuff. I mean, this, the clothes will come soon, but they will, they will. How yeah, are you it is doing? kind of a weird time in retail. How am How I doing? You? Yeah. You okay? Um, What's going on, Lori? <laughs> right. I'm all right. <laughs> per usual, just don't know when to say no, just too much going on, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I get but- it. I'm excited for this week because I am just planning to stay home. I wrapped up Thrift Across New England with a really great trip to Maine. So I was, that was very exciting. Um, but like Thursday night, uh, Angie was leaving for New York on Thursday morning. So Wednesday night, I don't, I don't even know what day it is. But anyways, we went and got phones for the entire family. So five phones coming over, porting over, sending one to Anthony in Pittsburgh. And it was a big to-do that the guy at Verizon was awesome. He stayed there with us like an hour after they closed because it took that long. So now this week, it's like getting used to a new phone. I used to get excited about new phones and now I don't. Now I'm like officially old and I like my old phone, yeah. you know? <laughs> so I'm trying to move everything over this week. And then Maine was like 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. And that was just yeah, a really a long, long, day. long day. And then when you're at the bins all day, for me at least, it takes like a day to recover. So on Saturday, yesterday, I did like all the processing of the 73 items and the steaming and, uh, you know, just all that stuff. And then today, Caitlin came and we had the podcast and, you know, I put a video out yesterday morning. So it's just been, but now that I think that Thrift Across New England is wrapping up, um, I just think like, I need to get some sales videos out. It's just been haul after haul after haul after haul. I need to like mix up the content a little bit. So I'm excited to just have a little bit of a breather. I have a couple of videos um, actually filmed already, but I feel like all I've been putting out is hauls. So I want to put some stuff in between. So um, I was going to try to rally and do one today, but I think I'm going to wait till tomorrow and just keep listing today. So I've been listing a lot. So yeah. Listing is good. That's something I did not do the last two days, but I took the last two days off. I like told myself, you will not do anything Friday and Saturday related to reselling besides answer questions. And like, you know, like I went sourcing yesterday for a very small period of time. And like, I gave myself that, but other than that, like you are not doing anything. So that's what I did. Today is like, usually Sunday's my day where I'm like, all right, photograph everything for the week because we don't have to do it on a Wednesday night or something, you know, grab all your sales, get everything ready. And then good to go for Monday. So yeah. Plan. Well, good. You seem refreshed. I am. <laughs> That's good. I am That's so good. I also had a cold brew coffee. So, oh, that'll do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So today we're going to talk about numbers and I totally transparent. I told Lori too, I haven't looked at my numbers in probably three or four months. So this is my first time looking at my numbers, which is, this is a good time. I think to look at your numbers too, to see where you have to go for the rest of the year. This is like a good halfway point. Absolutely. Where you're, where you're sitting and where you want to be and what's feasible and what's not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised when I looked at my numbers because I did take some time 
off from reselling really like for a couple months. So I was very surprised as to where I am and where I'm headed. And this month is kind of slow for me, but I'm okay with it. You know, I, I've, and we'll talk about it, but my average sale price is higher. So I'm okay that I'm not selling as many items. And I think this is something that we could definitely, you know, talk about when it comes to numbers and growing. Um, Some people are volume sellers, right? And some people focus more on the um, few pieces that are going to make them a higher return kind of thing and where we fall with all of that. Yeah. And and your business even changes as you go. And some people get into a rhythm with their things. Like right now I'm feeling like, um, you know, the volume is a, is a lot right now. Um, and yeah, I mean, it it just, everybody's different. So there really is no right or wrong. It just is what you have access to, what you're comfortable buying, what you're passionate Mm -hmm. about. Um, every reseller story is very, very different. So this is just really two little snapshots Mm -hmm. of, um, two resellers. Yes. Yeah. Full so. disclaimer. This is our information, right? Like this is what works for our businesses, but it's also taken us time to really realize what works for us and what we feel like doing and where we're comfortable being and where we want our prices to be and what we're willing to um, make or, you know, all that stuff. That's just things that you learn. I mean, Lori's. What is one thing that you would say you have um, like has changed about you? So for example, for me, I think that I have, um, I'm more comfortable taking less of a profit sometimes in order to move stuff. I don't hold on to things for quite as long. I just kind of see it as like a number and like churning it through and just getting it out the door where before I was a little bit more emotionally attached, but now I'm just like, take it, move it. But I mean, within reason, you know, there are also still pieces that I'll hold the line, but is, is there something that's changed for you in that light? Um, I think, I mean, there's numerous things like that's definitely something that I've become okay with. And I think COVID kind of forced a lot of us to be that way. Like, okay, whatever, we're doubling our money, like got to move it, got to move it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I definitely seen that. And I think the other thing for me is just focusing more on categories that work for me and don't really worry about anything else. Like these are the categories that work. This is where I make my money and everything else. Like I, if I want to find, if like, if I find a really good piece and it's, um, the five dollars or below and I can send it to the real real and I'm not like actually physically doing anything then I'll look at other categories but for the most part yeah. I'm sticking to my three or four categories that sell best for me which um, we can go over as well but that is definitely something that I have learned to be okay with just go to the thrift store look in those areas that do well for you and move on like don't worry about all of the great brands that might be in other sections which is so hard to do sometimes um, but I don't want to spend a lot of time in a thrift store Um, I'd rather be spending time doing other things and it can be very overwhelming for me personally to have the volume. If I have, these are my categories and if I have volume within those categories, I'm okay. But if I have volume in every category, it's too much for me. Hmm, Yeah. No, I mean, I, I've never in my whole life been really good at narrowing things down with anything ever. (laughs) Like I am, I live in the gray area and I always say like, I love everything. Like I'll get men's, I'll get women's, but it, it definitely gets me into trouble, but it's also who I am. So I've somewhat embraced that. Like I've definitely started passing a lot more on men's bulky or just like heavy wool sweaters. Like even like I'll look at, we were at, we were at the bins and I look, it was so hot and muggy. Like we were dripping (laughs) and I, but you know, you're in Maine. So you come across a lot of wool and a lot of like bulky LL bean wool wintry stuff. 
And um, I just remember like looking at something like I'm sweating just looking at you. And even though you are like a beautiful wool sweater made in Scotland, right. and I know you will make me money, I just have to not bring you home. Yeah. I really ask myself a lot, like, am I going to be remotely excited to list this? And if the answer is no, I just leave it behind now. And it, and it's still hard for me. Like I still venture into all the categories, but I'm definitely getting more like, just like, no, nah, I don't want to film you. Nope. Thank you. Next. You know, it's funny that you say that because I find that when we go sourcing together and we're going to these other spots that I don't typically go to, um, I am so excited to come home and list all that stuff and like list it quickly and get it up. And I sell it really fast. I've almost sold everything that I bought on our thrift trip together. That wow. was what, two weeks <laughs> oh ago. Oh my goodness. Yes. I only have like uh, six or seven pieces left from that trip that I need to sell, which is amazing. Um, so I have to get in the habit of that mentality that I have when, when I thrift outside of my normal area, I have to have when I thrift in my area as well. Mm keep that and get and be as excited as I am when I thrift out. makes a huge difference for me yeah. huge difference yeah because instead of it sitting in a bag for days on end if I come home and process it and I'm excited to photograph it and I get it listed immediately and then it's like that's just a better return on investment it's just a better business decision well and it's just it's moving your business forward instead of like instead of it being in your trunk or stagnant or in a bag, like, cause you're yeah. like not excited to list it, you know, yeah. for me, now I have somebody who does help me list. So like an example of two things I picked up at the bins that I wasn't excited about, but I picked them up, um, were two cycling shirts. You know, they, they sell, they're not going to be a huge seller. They're crazy lightweight at the bins. Right. It's top with color. It's like harmless, you know, even though I'm not passionate about it, I usually put in the pile for Caitlin because she really doesn't care. Like I put a lot of my jeans there. She just doesn't mind. I don't love photographing jeans. I'll do like a lot of like the men's stuff or t-shirts, like things I'm not. And, uh, and so like I picked up those cycling shirts and you know, they're probably sell for like 20 bucks, you know, and I probably paid a buck. So that is the type of thing that I'm still picking up, even though I'm not really excited about it, but what, if I know it's going to sell, but even if it were a wool, the reason I picked those up were because a, they were lightweight. They didn't have like animal hair on it. Like a lot of the sweaters do, they were in good condition, you know? So like, I've gotten a lot fussier about that stuff, but I still am picking up things like that, that I'm not at all passionate about, but I know they'll sell. So, but they're also easy to photograph. So it's kind of like a couple things that go into, yeah that I consider before I grab it, you know? Yeah. I think, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to like, do you think brands or categories matter more? Um, and I think it really just depends on your business for, I think in the last two years, what I've learned about me and my business is categories works better for me to focus on categories than does for me to focus on brand because brand as wonderful as brands are, aren't necessarily the be all end all. Um, when it comes to reselling and it's more so the type of item, the style, the make, you know, all of those things that go into it. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. And I think that's a hard lesson to learn 
as you grow as a reseller that, you know, you go into it thinking that um, these great brands that you hear about on Bolo lists and whatever it is, like those are the things that you need to be focusing on and attain to be successful. And uh, it's a hard pill to swallow when you realize that a lot of those brands just don't work for you or just don't work in general because they don't have the same resale value as maybe they once did um, because now you can find them brand new in a TJ Maxx or a Burlington Coat Factory kind of thing, right? Yeah, it also depends on what content you're consuming and from who and, you know, if, if you're watching resellers on YouTube that specialize in high-end stuff, you're more than likely not going to find that at Goodwill. If you are somebody who loves buy, sell, trade stores, mm -hmm. then maybe you should be focusing, like Joyfully Curated is somebody um, friends with Jack and Ryan, she's, she is really high end and she does most of her stuff at, um, buy, sell trade from what, from what I understand, I've only watched a couple of her videos, but, um, but yeah, like I do learn from her, but then I don't go to buy, sell trade stores all that often. I don't even mind paying up. It's just not, I don't have a lot nearby me. Right. I don't know. It's just not, it's just not part of my rhythm. So that content for me while it might be great to know some of those bolo brands, like, you know, I know I'm going to sell an L.O. Bean jacket that I picked up. Right. It's not sexy. I know it's going to sell, you know, so mm, it's like that balance between what I'm passionate about, what I know sells. It's, you know, and I don't pick tough. all L.O. Bean for sure. It's, I don't. It's definitely tough when you're newer to the game and you're seeing, you, you see all these experienced resellers, right? And they, they're giving you all this information, which is great because you want to, you want to retain that information. You want to learn, you want to grow. Um, but I think it's also important on the back end to really look at your numbers and what's selling for you. And I know, like I said, it's not glamorous. This is not the fun part of the business. The fun part's shopping. Like that's the fun mm -hmm. part, right? Finding all these great items, but really understanding what it is that works for you because every business is so different. So we, both of us, Lori and I can talk about what works for us and what categories and what brands are selling for us, but it could be completely different. And you'll see it's different between me and Lori too, but it will be completely different for someone else that comes into this conversation. Um, yeah. And I mean, also you have to think about capital and this comes up a lot in my Amazon conversations with friends, yeah. you know, there'll be a bolo thing and someone might be able to invest $500 like without even batting an eye. And then they can go get 30 of this right. product, right. insert Whatever. product. Um, and somebody else might only have 50 bucks and they can only get two of them. And so are they really going to chase their tail to get that too? Because in Amazon, it is a volume thing. Like if you can send in 30 and you're going to make $25 profit on 30 pieces, right? that's great for you. Is it really worth it for you to do, you know, so the same applies to our business and, and the same applies to some of those high-end brands. Like mm -hmm. if you're willing, you know, a lot of people are doing research on Poshmark and flipping things like getting the, you know, the unbranded list on right thread up. up. And there are definitely ways to get around it or searching sales or buying the bad pictures and flipping them and good images. You know, if that's what you like, then that's there. Um, but then, you know, how much capital do you have to invest? I know when a lot of people are starting, it's like they're hitting the dollar sale at Goodwill or they're going to, you know, the bins because, or they're going to their own closet. So Sometimes I've I've been kind of struggling with reseller content in general, and even my own. Like as far as like ever saying what people should or shouldn't do, I have a real hard time watching people who are like, "Don't pick up colored jeans; they don't sell." Really? Like mm -hmm. they don't sell for me? Great, but I don't think that I would say, "Don't pick these up." You know what I, I mean? I would like, never say that to anyone. Like I don't pick it up because it doesn't work for me but you can try it and see if it works for you. Yeah, I, I struggle with that too because we're all so different. 
And you can't make a blanket statement like that in reselling. Yeah. It's like trying to, you know, I, I don't know. It's like trying to put a, put a label on something where everybody's everything is. And people say this all the time too. Everybody's always saying, you know, don't compare yourself and blah, blah, blah. But I do feel some sort of like responsibility somewhat to newbies who are watching Mm -hmm. and um, yeah. And so that's why I kind of always just say, I just kind of share my journey and you take from it, whatever applies to you and ignore what doesn't work for you. And I kind of call it cafeteria style. Yeah. Like a buffet. Um, Like a buffet. You pick what you like, you leave behind what you don't. You may disagree Mm -hmm. with some stuff. I am certainly flawed in a million ways. Like, and with reselling too, you know, um, I don't run a lean business. I wish I did. I don't. And it causes me stress, but, um, but yeah, so that's why it's kind of just fun to share numbers sometimes, right? Because then people can do with it what they want. Exactly. And hopefully this episode will be helpful because we do have a lot of newbie resellers that listen to us. You know, we have a good mix and we have a lot of people that are newer that found us because they were listening. They, they want to find podcasts to listen to while they work. So hopefully this will be helpful to everyone, new and veteran sellers. Um, let's start off, Lori, with, uh, let's see, let me pull up my stuff here. Do you want to start off with categories? Do you want to start off with sales? What do you want to do? Um, I don't know. You've talked a lot about categories, so we can go there if you want. Um, do, 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 do I, okay. So this is no shock to me and not probably not to you either, Lori, but my best selling women's category is shoes. Same. Shoes is the best. I think if you can really look past the cleaning process and fixing them up a little bit and, you know, and, and all of that, you are going to have your highest return with shoes hands down. Well, see, I don't know if I, I mean, again, I don't know if I would say like, you will have your highest, like, I, I mean, I do think the ROI on the return on investment on shoes has potential to just be amazing and everybody needs shoes. I think the great thing about shoes is everybody does need them. So you can really score with shoes. And I think shoes are, I, I don't know, there's a lot out there too. But not everybody likes to clean them. Not everybody likes to store them. Storing shoes is difficult as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I know you and I both love shoes. That's like the first place I go. Like first thing I look at in a store, like I want to see the shoes. What kind of shoes can I find? What can I flip them for? Like in leather doesn't scare me. That's probably the easiest thing to clean and fix up things that scare me are suede (laughs) because it's hit or miss with suede Mm -hmm. and, um, certain cloth, like sneakers and patent leather. Like if I can stay away from patent leather, it's just really difficult. Patent leather, if it has like a little residue, if it's a little sticky, if it, yeah. if it has like a glaze, like if it's not in great condition, I mean, I, I will pick it up if it's in great condition, but it's not always, and you can't really fix it. It's very, and you can try, but you can also damage it. So it's what, that's definitely one that I, that I stay away from, but leather and, and cloth and stuff like All that. Good stuff. Another nice thing about shoes, I think, is that it's easy to scan. It's like, I used to always scan the blazers. Now I'm, I have blazers coming out of my eyeballs and I'm chilling on the blazers right now, but, um, you know, you can scan a shoe section pretty quickly and I feel like it gives you a quick snapshot of what might be on the racks. Exactly. What the store is not always, but you know, if, if you're hitting it hard and you're getting some really good shoes, you're like, Oh, maybe I'll explore more. And yeah, so that can be a good indicator. And so they're easy to go through. So sometimes sweaters, that's why I think tops are so hard for me and pants are both sections in the store that just take forever to get through. 
Yeah. Always good. I mean, you can always find good stuff and you're the queen of the pants. So yes, you, you, can. find you can't find good stuff, but it is, it is boring. Um, my, uh, to go back to what you said though, before I move on, um, I typically can tell, and this is like, mm, how my brain works is if I'm finding a lot of like size, smaller, medium clothing pieces, I immediately go to size six, seven, seven and a half shoes. Um, and I, and I kind of gauge those and see if this person was that, cause typically those are the sizes they would be. And then if I'm finding more of like the medium larges, I'll head to like size eight, eight and a half, nine, nine and a half. It doesn't always work that way. I was going to so say, yeah, wow. <laughs> it doesn't funny. always work that way, but a lot yeah. of times it does. It kind of, they, it correlates. That's to a cool, extent. that's a cool way of trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and then I'll that. scan. That's exactly what happened this last thrift trip was I was finding a lot of medium larges and then I went right to size eight and nine and all size nine shoes is what I found. So awesome. it doesn't always work that way, but, um, there is a little but bit. But it's, of- it's all these little nuances when you're shopping and little, little habits that you develop as you get more experienced on your journey. And like, as you know, your store better and you know, you know, the type of things that are coming in, or, you know, like when they're putting stuff out, timing is absolutely everything, absolutely everything. And so, um, you know, even this trip that I just had to Maine, most of my best pieces that I got, my friend found and said, is this a good brand? And I was like, oh my God, yes. Like, and so I think to myself, like if she wasn't with me, that trip would have been completely different. Or, you know, if you miss a certain rotation, your trip is totally different. So it's a lot of those little interesting things that can really impact what you're finding when you're sourcing. Absolutely. So what's Um, your second category? My second category is pants and jumpsuits. (laughs) Not a surprise either. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. My second category is tops. I think because I love, oh, I love to, I mean, tops are so easy, I think. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like easy in the sense that they're easy to photograph. Like, and I, I think pants are a pain to photograph. They are. You know what I mean? They are. Um, then next I have handbags and then I have, I have jackets and coats, but now pants and jumpsuits would also have like leggings and stuff in it. So that's why that's my second, cause I do sell a lot of athletic wear. So oh, yeah, yeah, that's, so true. that's why that one's up there. And then it's bags and jackets and coats, which those are the four categories that I focus the most time on. So it makes sense. I don't focus on categories at all. So I don't know if you would ask me, I would have definitely guessed shoes and tops in the top. Um, I would have, I don't know. So I am shoes, tops, jackets, bags, sweaters, dresses, then pants, jeans, shorts, accessories, shirts. I don't know why tops are different than shirts. I'm looking on seller insight. Hmm. So they categorize that differently. So Maybe tops is, oh no, because you have a sweater category. So what would be the difference between tops and shirts? Shirts, maybe like t-shirts and stuff? I don't know. It's kind of weird. I mean, so tops is like $3,327 to date and shirts is 501 hmm. which is kind of weird. I don't know. Uh, let me see. From January to today, I have sold 78 pairs of shoes, which is pretty I don't know cool. where I can look at that. Oh, does this say for me? No, no. I, guess, I don't know if this gives me a number. And I've sold 68 pairs of pants and jumpsuits, 58 pairs of jeans. So those are all numbers yeah. that I, what I, what I would anticipate. My average sale price for shoes is $64. It's actually really oh my good. Oh, God, that's high. That's really that's good. Super. 
bag, $66. Jackets and coats. Are you using Sarah's dashboard right now? Is that what you're using? Yeah. Sarah's, Sarah's Yeah, I pulled up her dashboard to get a better snapshot of everything. Um, I don't mm. use Seller Insight. I downloaded it once and then I just never continued with it and I deleted it. It's too many things on my well, phone. It cost $50. Did, did you pay for it and not use no, it? No, no, no. I said I downloaded it and never did anything with it. <clears throat> oh, oh, oh. I was going to say that I, you should use it. No, no. Um, brand category. I don't know how to find it here. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. I just, I just think it's interesting that my average sale price is 63, 69, but I also think it's because, um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, I did do a lot of retail arbitrage with shoes this year. So that might be why the average sale price is so high. Yeah, I did do that. So that, and that's something to keep in mind too, when you're looking at data is just remembering all the different circumstances because data can be skewed. So yeah, what is, what is your average cost of goods for shoes where your average selling price is $64? So 20, 25 in that range. Okay. So, so like, makes- I think that's a really important piece that makes sense. You know, um, I appreciate you sharing that because I, I think for the listeners that that's definitely something. Yep. Um, if I'm finding in a thrift store, then I'm averaging my cost of goods. So now you're talking, it can be anywhere from five to $10, but if I'm doing retail arbitrage, it's at least 20, 20, 25. Yep. At least. So it's all relative, right, to what you're spending. You have to remember that too. It's not always, oh, I mean, you know, my average sale price is $63, but I'm also spending 20 or 25. It's the same thing as if I go to the first store and sell something for 40. And you're spending five to eight. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, Numbers are all relative. mm -hmm. Uh, Let's, where, where am I here? Why won't this? So how many like units are you selling typically? of shoes? No, like just per month in oh, general. Month. Okay, like how many pieces? Uh, do, 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 do. So this is for the whole, I have for the whole year. Well, from January to now, I pulled my data for January to now. Um, I have sold, I'm going to go to jeans. I've sold 45 pairs of jeans. I've sold 35 pairs of leggings. No, but does it have like a t- overall, like how many mm-hmm. items did you sell? Probably. I, I mean, I'm only asking because I have those numbers in front of me. I don't have all these numbers. numbers are, and then I'll look. I'll look. Um, so I'm kind of all over the place. The most, the the most I've ever sold in a month, as far as items, mm. was 178 items in the month of March. That was my best month, which is a weird month to be my best month. I think. Yeah. I don't know how that compares. In 2020, my best month was November, and I sold 169. And 2020, my March was my lowest, which no shock. Yeah. Because that was when everybody came home. Mm-hmm. So in 2020, I only sold 84 units. It was my lowest month of the year as far as units sold. Um, and then this year, it was my greatest. So I think comparing numbers from last year to this year is going to be really wonky. 
ask for people yeah. if you're trying to get an indicator, you know, I but I would say on average, I sell about 130 items a month. I've been like the past few months, like April was 128, May was 124, June was 125. And this is only Poshmark. This does not include. Right. That's, that's, I think we should say that too. This is just Poshmark data. We are not pulling data from other places that we sell. Um, I'm going through my dashboard here because I, and I have a sales and I have an inventory dashboard and my computer is going really slow because I'm trying to upload a video right now in my laptop. Oh, I could probably check out. So I've had 834 sales oh, this month. I also total think sales. what's, oh, go ahead. I found it. So my total sales this month is super low, 19. Yeah, but you've had big sales, but I like, have. so that, that's why they're two different measures. Like we're yep. looking one at average selling price. Yep. Um, and then you're looking at like how many units you sell, because I think it's important, like people listening to you who might be more, um, focused, well, not part-time doesn't matter. I don't think, I think more focused on a higher selling price true, true. or, or higher, like people who aren't bulk versus, you know what I mean? Like maybe they just have a leaner business. Maybe they want that. And then, you know, other people might be like, well, like when I talk to people, when I do my cons, my consultations and they're like, well, I want to make a thousand dollars a month. I say, okay, what's your average selling price? How many items are you listing per day? How many items are you selling in a month? And they're like, well, I'm selling 10 in a month. And my average selling price is 20 bucks. I'm like, okay, well then that's only $200. So now if, if you're selling 10 in a month and you want to make a thousand, now you have to sell 50 this month to make a thousand. If that's your app, you know what I mean? So like, I think it's, I think it's helpful for people on both fronts to know like volume versus, you know, price. Right. Um, They're both, they're just, they're just both pieces of the puzzle. My average, we're going to average out from every month. January, I had a super high month and I sold nine, I had 91 sales in January. Um, but every other month is between like 48 to 59. That's kind of where I'm at. So, mm-hmm. I mean, which isn't, that's, that's pretty reasonable. It's kind of where I thought I was um, in great. terms of monthly sales. And, and I'm happy with that because my average sale price is a little bit higher. So I'm yeah. okay with that. If my average sale price was lower, I, wouldn't be comfortable. Well, I mean, again, it all depends on like some people are looking to make a car payment at the end of the month and some people are looking to pay pay their mortgage. So like even these numbers, as we're sharing them, they may not be as relevant, you know, I don't know how helpful they're going to be to people, hopefully somewhat helpful. I think people um, just like honesty to be, you know, like, I think people just like to hear the reality of other, you know, other sellers that they may listen or watch and they just want to know. I think people, yeah. I think people might be surprised by my numbers that, because my numbers aren't like, I haven't had huge growth. I feel like I've kind of been, I've like, if you look at seller insight, oh, wow. it says my sales are up 36% this year compared to last year. So I guess I, I have had some growth, but like I, I know what some of my full-time friends list and they list a lot more than me or, or their sales because they really hustle on eBay as well. You know, their numbers are just much higher. So it's interesting. You know what I think is a, a fun thing to talk about? Cause money doesn't matter on this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it matters, but like, what are our top brands year yeah, to date? I think that's like a fun one. And I then it's not so much. Be- uh, surprised at what, maybe not, maybe they're not surprised what my top brands are. 
Um, let me scroll to that. Um, okay, it's not this tab. Top brands, here we go. Top brands, do you wanna do by dollar amount sold? Or actually, no, it doesn't matter. We can I do don't think it matters. I think we should just talk about like best-selling brands. Do you have a top 10? Because I have a top 10. Yes, I do. Okay, my first one is Madewell, not a shock. My number one is Free People, also not a also shock. Also not a shock, yeah, see? Yeah. So, and it's also what we gravitate towards. So I've sold 45 pieces from January to now that are Madewell. And I've made, after fees, I have made, uh, let's see here, $2,142.48, very exact. And my average sale price is $47.61, which I am quite happy with. Unmade well. Unmade well. Yeah, just unmade well. Um, I haven't found the tab that tells me how many things I've sold from a particular thing. That's all right. So I just have, it just says, yeah, $913 on free people. That's great. That's all. Uh, and then second for me is Lululemon. Me too. Yay, Lululemon is number two. Then I have so, Zara. Funny enough, I have Burberry next because I, and I sold one Burberry piece, but it sold for $550. So, um, yeah, so this that that's definitely where it's like, yeah, you sold one piece, Lori. Yeah, you know? that doesn't really count. Um, the dollar amount, no. is, it puts it in the top because of the dollar amount. So my number four really shocked me. Any guesses? Number four, um, it's either going to be Garnet Hill or LL Bean. It's Coach. Coach, way off. <laughs> way off never in a million years but i've guessed coach i think because i did that big push like i did my own handbag collection and like i was selling a bunch of coach bags and my mother-in-law gave me some coach bags i've been picking coach up again because i feel like coach is having a little bit of a moment right now Mm -hmm. so uh yeah that really surprises me that's interesting my number four is everlane oh that's not a surprise no no but my number five might surprise you and it's free people Oh, no, it doesn't surprise me. I think free people's great. <laughs> I know you do, but I never really pick it up. But I've I made a conscious effort this year to pick up free people pieces like certain dresses and just certain things that I think are just beautiful, right? And and going with it. Same with Zara. I really focused on Zara and like the blogger favorites and all of that, which is why I made it into my top 10. It's because I focused time and energy to learn it. So yeah, and I have not spent a lot of time on Zara and it shows. Zara is like not even anywhere on my Oh no, I take that back. It looks like it's probably number 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Um number 5 for me is J Crew. Oh, that's my number 6. My number 6 is J Crew. What's your number 5? My, my free people. Oh, free people. I'm sorry. Um so I have Free People, Lululemon, Burberry, Coach. J Crew was number five. Madewell is number six for me. Okay. So we were flipped there. My number five is free people. It's your number one. Madewell is my number one. It's your number six. Yeah. Um, my number seven is anthropology. All right. So next up for me is Eileen Fisher. Ah, you do like picking up Eileen. You do like I mean, I don't I don't love Eileen like that. That's one of those like I don't love the pieces, but they do decent, you know, they do all right. Then I have Athleta. But I've only sold nine um, pieces, so I can't really say that, like, I don't know if it really deserves to be on this list, but we'll, we'll say it does. Well, I mean, it's your top 10. It yeah. doesn't matter if you made yeah. a million or it's your top 10. You know what I mean? Um, next up for me is uh, Levi's. Oh, that's that's on my list, too, but a little further yeah. down. Then I have Aritzia. 
I have none up next. $310 under none. Did I just forget to categorize something? <laughs> what would that be? Sounds like that sounds like a Lori stat. <laughs> none. <laughs> Made $300 okay. with no idea what it is. <laughs> no idea what it was. Um, um, what do you have after that one? After your none? After none, I have dance go. Oh. Isn't that funny? I, I do sell a lot of dance go. Well, I pick up a lot of dance goes at the bins and then I just like, yep. and then when I, when I get them from the bins, I price them at like $38. I feel like I just want them to go like 38. And then someone offers me 32. I'm like, bye-bye. You know, you cost $2 and you're out the door. My number 10 is Levi's. All right. You, my next one is also a skewed number. It's Stuart Weitzman because I had that one bag when hope was here that I picked yep. up new with bag and it sold for like $280 and then I probably sold like two pairs of shoes. Like I do not sell a lot of Stuart Weitzman. That's just based on dollar value. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If I look at my, um, my top 10 by total sale amount, which is different than my top 10 items sold in Sarah's dash. Oh, gotcha. Thing, my list is basically the same, except my number six, instead of J crew is Doc Martens. Mm-hmm. where I've sold seven pieces with a total sold of $647. And then my number 10, instead of being Levi's, Levi's is at number nine on this list. Number 10 is Tory Burch for me. Um, I only sold four pieces, but my total sales is $405. And it's because I've, I um, flipped Tory Burch shoes that I got on Poshmark. That's why that made that list. Yeah. Like for me that, so the Stuart Weitzman is, a fluke as yeah. So mine's going by, and this is profit. This isn't sales. Right. This is my profit. So, um, yeah. So I go dance, go Stuart Weitzman, lucky brand, um, Zara anthropology fry. Yeah. At Evernorth health services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Huh. Then I have vintage in there. There's so many things. Oh, fastest selling brands. Do you have this on your list? This doesn't even, I can't even say that this is an accurate depiction of what my fastest selling brands are because I've only sold one piece of each of these items. So I can't even give this, I can't even give these numbers out. They're not true. Yeah, no, I don't have that. I have days listed. So I have that too somewhere. I got to find it though. Tell me your days listed and I'll see if I can find it on my end. Sales and 834 sales. What I'm guessing from this is my average days listed is 189. Interesting. Mm-hmm. If I'm reading that right. See, and this is the thing about the data that you're looking at. It's just, it varies. Like sometimes you're looking at the numbers and you're like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. I've only ever sold one. So why did it make it to this? It's just the way the data works. That's just the way. Yeah, you works. have to you have to be curious and not just look at it and say, Oh, like take it as gospel, you know, like it, it, it changes. And now go pick up everything of that brand. <laughs> you know, let's, let's not, 
that's not how it works. It's a snapshot, really, of all the different things that you have sold. I thought those. Were, I, I know there's a way. Look at this. This is a little map of the United States. I have had a sale in every state in the country, which I had no idea. That's kind oh, of that's cute. really good. I think I have that on here too, but I, I don't think I've had a sale in every country. Let's check it out by state. What would be more interesting than this is to tell me like where are most of the sales going to? I can you tell know? you that. My top three states are California comes in at number one. I've had 53 sales in California from January to, to today. Texas is number two with 36 sales and New York is number three with 29 sales. Not a shock to me that those are the three places yeah. that. I mean, well, Texas and California, they're the, they're also like the biggest right. states in the country too. So, right. Yeah. That Massachusetts is... makes it to the top 10. Look so that's that. But yeah, I mean, California is like most of my labels scream California at me every time. That's Every awesome. Single time. Yeah, I mean, hey, they, they keep me busy, which is always nice. I can't find my tab where it tells me days on hand. I know it's on here, and I feel like my average days on hand was like 114, which yeah. is pretty on point. I would say that that's, that's about right. That's where I would anticipate to be. I mean, I'm hoping every year to get that number a little lower because yeah. obviously I have, we've been doing this a long time now. So I don't, I'm not somebody who relists a lot. So I have certain things like I sold, um, I sent out offers on any items in my closet over 350 days old today. Um, I sent out offers for 50% off and I did, I made some sales, but like my average days on hand for today are terrible. They're all over 350 yeah. days old, you know? Do you, and this, this will be interesting to see, do you, your, your bundle orders, would you say that it's higher or lower than your non-bundle orders? My average selling price? Just in general, like, so do you have, um, I guess is your closet, or your sales for your closet more bundles or are they more like just single items being sold? Oh, definitely more singles. Definitely mm -hmm. more singles. Um, I mean, I have a fair amount of bundles, but percentage wise, definitely more singles. Yeah, same. And then the other thing too, which is interesting, since I've been using um, Harsher VA, my shipping discount, part of my pie chart has gotten bigger because every time I send out an offer, uh, there's a shipping discount associated with them, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. So that number has gone up where I'm giving out a shipping discount more often than not. Um, but also I have a lot of people countering instead of just taking that offer with the shipping discount. I have a lot of people that are just offering whatever it is they want to offer. And then me accepting that my buy it now is very that low. I, yeah, I've seen that. Um, I think it's interesting. I actually shut it off my posture VA automatic thing. Oh, you did. I shut it. Yeah, I, I just, I didn't like that it was automatic, that it was every, you know, right after, I mean, I'll probably go back to it, but um, the truth of the matter is I, I sometimes send more aggressive offers out on my own and right. I just felt like it was just getting stale. Like, yeah. I feel like at first the sales were really good. It was, you know, occasionally it's still great, you know, but I also found that every my thought on it was that every time seller, uh, posture VA, which is, um, a virtual assistant that Danielle and I both use, um, better known as a bot that like sells that sends offers or does various things for you. 
Um, so there is an option to set it to like a 20%. What I was doing is 20% off 595 shipping yep. automatically sent out once someone liked it after 10 minutes. That's what I had it set at. Um, if the item was over $75, I think I did, if it was over 50, I did 499 shipping. Okay. If it was over $75, I think I did free shipping. It was something like that. Like I, I, um, I adjusted that. But what was happening is, you know, every time somebody got that offer, maybe the first time it went out, it went out to multiple people. But now one person likes it, they get the offer, and they also know they're the only person who just got that message. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if you wait a little bit, and like I sent out an offer today and it went to six people, and I was like, okay, now there's a little bit of sense of urgency there. So I, I think it's great because I'm sure I'm missing stuff, me, but eventually somebody else will like it and then I'll send out an offer and it will hit the person who may have liked it and I missed it. So I may go back to it, um, but I'm just, you know, I'm playing around with it. So currently I have it turned off. I had this feeling yesterday when I was using it because the woman who bought the Lululemon bundle for me, well, she liked all the pieces and then created a bundle. What ended up happening is because I had that offer feature turned on was she got an offer on every it's single like the offer. Yeah. It's kind of obnoxious. So then she sent me a message and was like, Hey, you sent me an offer on each piece individually. I sent you an offer on the bundle and I hadn't looked at my phone. Could you counter my offer then in the bundle? And I was like, well, shit, like, you know, like I felt awful. I was like, I'm so sorry. That's my assistant that sends it out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what do you even say? Exactly. To that? It, that yeah, was- I do think, I, I mean, I, I love, I love posture. I love it for the sharing. I love it for the bulk thing. Like today, when I sent out 50% mm-hmm. offers on anything over, you know, like there are features that I absolutely love. And I like that feature, but like just what you mentioned, I feel like people getting the offers probably know it's coming from a bot or they just think we're clueless, you know? And I feel like it takes away the personal touch, which you and I've talked about so many times. Like that's all we are selling used clothes. Like I want, I don't know. It takes away a little bit from my customer service. I feel like Yeah, it it has its pros and its cons, right? Like it's great because we're not manually doing a lot of the work, but it's also awful because some of that work that we probably should be doing manually is done by a bot and it doesn't know what's what, right? It doesn't know. Right. Like when I, when I first did the, the sale, um, over, you know, anything over a year old, the first time I did that, I made like over $700 in two days because I'd never done that before. It was the first time I used that feature. So anything that was over 350 days old, I've been in business, anything that was over a year old, 365 days, you know, I'm going on my third year, every single one of those. So we're talking about two years worth of items got a 50% off offer. So that was great, but now I'm doing it like once a month. So a month goes by. So now I'm only really focusing on that one month that is now over a year old. The right. sales have dwindled significantly. So I think there was definitely this big bubble at first. Mm-hmm. And now it's just kind of leveled off. Do you think Posture VA skews our data? How because, would it skew it? I don't know. Like, do you think because we have, I guess it worked the same way we had an assistant doing all the time. Like, having constant shares and constant offers and all these things going out, does it, well, I mean, it's all part of business. I mean, it's still, but yeah, that's all part. I mean, I don't see how that would skew the numbers in the sense that, I mean, you have the brands that you have and you're selling what you're 
I guess it's the like, same thing. It was just a thought. I think it might increase your stuff or I mean it like, could, like, so for example, yeah. Okay. I guess it would say like your, our numbers might have increased with offers to likers. Right. Like that's going to skew, it's going to skew those numbers, but I don't think it's going to skew like brands or anything like that. Right. Cause at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you're sharing or what you're sending offers on. It's all dependent on what the buyer wants. So exactly it's what you have in your closet and what you have it priced at and what you're willing to let it go for, you know? Right. So it's interesting. That's a thought that popped in my head. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good thought. It's interesting. One thing that's been selling much better for me this year compared to last year's dresses. Yeah. I've been enjoying picking up dresses. Like I was like, I had, I was so over dresses and now like we had this exact conversation. We were like, I'm not picking up dresses anymore. I'm done with them. They're not moving. Like don't even go in the dress section anymore. Not picking up heels. And now it's like, I picked up a pair of heels yesterday. Like I would have not picked that up last year at all. Yeah. I'm checking the evening wear section because I'm like, hey, if there's a good brand in there and people are going to weddings and there's going to be- well, we're in the go right now, I think. Right? New Year's Eve parties are going to be huge this year. So like, I, you know, I'm thinking ahead and, and I'm looking at those sections where I definitely, that's the other thing too. I think last year's data um, was a good reflection as to what was happening in, in the world, right? Um, so it-, it it kind of put us in a different place this year. I feel like we're all starting over a little bit, which is fine because of the category that we, we sell clothes. So um, it makes sense. People that sold, you know, car parts, all that kind of stuff didn't experience the same kind of thing that a clothing seller would experience. Right. So the pandemic hit people differently based on what they were selling. Right. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. People that are doing, on, people that are selling on Amazon only did amazing last year, you know? Mm-hmm. So it all, it all depends on where you're selling, what you're selling, all that kind of stuff. But as a clothing seller, I think last year's data is hard to use as a comparison um, for certain months, like before the, the slow, slow reopening that we had. Um, right. It's hard right. To, to say, oh, this is definitely, you know, this, this is definitely a number to look at, but you know, it's all relative to what's happening. Just like my few months, it's all relative. I had some slow months because I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I, to be honest, like I, as much as I want growth with my sales, because I absolutely do, I am definitely heavily focused on YouTube this year. You are, but you know what, Lori, I think that's the beauty of just like where your business has grown is YouTube has taken a big part of your business. And, um, I think that's great. I think it's, I mean, I, well, well, yeah, I mean, and it, it's, it's, it's just something that I am putting a lot of time into. And I feel like, you know, if, if I keep growing my YouTube channel, if I do two videos per month and I have, you know, whatever percentage of new subscribers each month or whatever, I'm still just doing two videos per month, but my numbers are actually going up where with, with clothing sales, you know, if I list, 10 items every month, you know, it's going to be, it'll be more of a return if I, if I stay consistent with YouTube in theory as it grows. So with affiliate marketing and some partnerships that I've had this year and little branch outs that I've done, it's taken a little bit more of the pie. Um, So as much as I am focused on my sales, um, I don't think that that part is like growing exponentially this year. I don't think it's the year for it. It might in the future, but I, I really don't see how I'm ever going to be able to like really scale 
aside from like cross posting and what I'm doing right now. And now I have assistant. Now I'm finally looking into a VA because I haven't been consistent even with Vendu with eBay. When I am consistent, eBay kicks butt. Sorry, we're discussing dinner. So I'm recording in my living room. Typically I'm in my bedroom with the door closed. So, um, so anyways, yeah, I think that's something to think about too. If you, for our listeners, like what, you know, do you want to scale? Do you eventually want to have a warehouse? Do you eventually want to sell on multiple platforms? Do you want to, you know, put time into Instagram, into YouTube? Maybe you want, like, I know my friend Renee, who's fashion thrifter 2018. What's her name? I can't think of her handle. But she's adorable. But she's, she's so high energy. I think she was like meant for live sales. And yeah. her business has complete, Leslie too from Marie Seller's Passion. Those are two women in my community who have now gone to live sales on Instagram. So their Poshmark numbers probably aren't great this year, but now they have all these live sales. So like, if you're listening to this and like all this stuff maybe seems overwhelming or you don't like to crunch the numbers or this is not like your thing, consider live sales on Instagram. Consider, you know, you know, a YouTube channel or growing your Instagram platform. I mean, there is now on Instagram, you can get like badges if you're at a certain, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's just at 10,000 or if anybody can do it now, but like where if you go live and you allow for badges, you have to like set it up on Instagram. But if you go live people, it's like a super chat on YouTube. Somebody can give money. So there are, there are lots of ways to, you know, to do the business, right. It doesn't have to be just the reselling aspect of it. And it all depends on what you want to do. It Some depends people, on what you want to do, right. People resell and have no interest in any of the other stuff. And that's fine. You don't have to have a YouTube. You don't have to have a podcast. You don't have to have any of this stuff. You know, it all depends on what you want to do. Um, but I think it is nice to have these different avenues to create income for yourself. Depending on where your interest is. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Because I, I do feel like my sales could be a little sluggish if, if I was just like, if it was apples to apples and I was just looking at my sales compared. But if I look at how many hours a week I put into my job, YouTube being about half of it and this being the other half, you know, I don't think I'm going to see like incredible growth with my clothing sales, my reselling stuff. Right. In terms of Poshmark and eBay and all that, but Amazon has potential, right? Amazon has potential, but right now I'm losing money on Amazon because I'm not like sending a ton in, but I mean, it's an investment to me. Like I just, I said, I was going to just keep, you know, bleeding a little bit of money and I shouldn't be, that's all on me. That's 100% on me. That's not because I don't want people who are thinking about Amazon to think that they're, they're going to lose money. I'm losing money because I'm putting 95% of my time into Poshmark and YouTube and about 5% into Amazon. And that's what happens. Like Whatever you're nurturing is what's going to grow. Exactly. It's, and it can happen on YouTube. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Yep. Happens on Poshmark. It happen to anything. Whatever you're going to focus more energy on, that's what's going to grow. And everything else is going to just kind of lag behind a little. It's fine. Yeah. And it's okay. I mean, I think it's all part of the process to see how you evolve and what you're interested in too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I know some people in the community have loved Amazon and have kind of focused a lot of energy just on that. And the Poshmark side of it, it's kind of like for fun, things that they really enjoy doing, right? Like really curated pieces, all that kind of stuff. So it it depends. But I think taking a look at, at where you are is is good to help you figure out 
what direction you want to go in maybe for the next few months or over the next year and depending on what reselling is for you if it's something they're only doing short term so you hit a goal of whatever it is that you want in your life or if you're doing this long term as a full-time job or you're doing it um, as a way to create I don't know retirement fund there's all different reasons right as to why people do this yeah, I wonder how many people started reselling in 2020 during the pandemic because maybe they were laid off or just they were home and where they're going with it now. Like people who started because of the pandemic, if they'll stay with it, if this like struck a chord and they absolutely love it and they're going to go forward with this, or if, you know, they, they may be like just transitioning back to the job they had prior to. Yeah, I think that that'll be interesting to see too, like how many people quote unquote stick around. Um, that started it. And I think a lot, of, I, I think this is something that someone could leave for a little bit and then always come back to it. Like it's never going to go anywhere. That's what I was going to say. That's what I think is so exciting about this. Like somebody can just, they don't have to share their closet. They may not have a lot of sales, but like if they're just having fun with it and they add two pieces a month and that's where they're at. And one day they're like, oh my gosh, I sold that item. Like Eddie, you know, the, the guy who's in my video sometimes like Eddie's like that with his Poshmark closet. Like he doesn't think about it every day. He gets the notifications to say, you know, you haven't shared this item in four weeks. And he laughs, you know, because like, you know, it's just, and, and, you know, some people can do that with eBay, but I think the cool thing about what we do is the flexibility, how, you know, you have two people focusing on their reselling business and it can look so, so different depending on what lens you're looking at it through. Yeah. And a lot of our brands, which is interesting, are we sell a lot of the same brands, Lori. We really we do, for sure. We, we do. Sell a lot of the same brands, and but we have two very different businesses. And I think yes. that's yeah, important that is kind to of interesting. Mm -hmm. You can sell the exact same things and it can look completely different. Just the way it is. So it's fun to compare and to see the differences and where we are. And I think I'm in a good place this year. I, I can't say like, like you said, I don't think I had much growth this year, but that's fine. I'm status quo and I'm making the money that I need to be making. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy with where I am. Do I want to grow more right now? I don't think so. I think I'm more focused in growing in other areas. Um, and I'm just content where Poshmark is right now and eBay. Like I'm, I'm good with that. I do want to grow the real, real a little bit more only because there's more incentive to grow on there. Right. Um, and perks that you get more percentages. So like there's incentive to grow on there. And I, there's an incentive to me to hit my um, watch hours on YouTube. So then I'm finally monetized. Like there's a lot of incentive on that. Uh, so just diverting my energy a little bit to focus on those things, hit those milestones, and then we'll see where we are next year. At the end of the year, we'll, we'll recap this and go to the end at the end of the year and we'll see where we're at and what our focus will be then. Cause I'm sure it'll change. <laughs> I think it will change. I mean, I'm even, I feel like I'm just coming out of the fog right now, post COVID I'm, I've really struggled to get into a routine. I'm really ready to like have back to school here, have just All like kind of, your time. Yeah. Just, just kind of back to the way it used to be. Like I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Although there've been so many beautiful things about all of us being home. I'm just ready. So um, I definitely think this will be a different conversation in December, 100%. Absolutely. When we hit our two-year anniversary. I know for the podcast. That's crazy too. It really is. We're going to go into season three. It's just nuts. And we've seen a lot of growth on here too. I mean, we could have a whole episode on growth which is fine too. But I think that um, it's all where you put your energy in. And we put a lot of energy this year in, in growing the podcast and making yeah. it a um, stream of income for us on a monthly basis and growing our audience and 
creating different content and just creating more of a community than just mm, this. That's right? been, the, that's been the shift for me the most. Yep. It's just like really knowing people in our community and being like, Oh, they're like thrifter people, thrifters, Villa family, you know, they like people are. on our Patreon that like, now I have a face with the name and mm-hmm. it's been nice. It has been, it, it forms a different sense of like belonging and all of that. And, and uh, it's just been nice to make friends and, and connect with everyone and create content that um, interests the people that are loyal to, to us and, and our podcast. And we appreciate everyone who has been with us on this journey for two and a half years now. <laughs> and as long as it's been, I, um, I think it's, it's funny because, you know, we can talk about reselling until, you know, we're, we're blue, blue in the face, face. and, and it's kind of nice because those are our people, like the mm-hmm. people who, you know, want to listen to this, like this could put somebody else to sleep. <laughs> it really you know? could, but not our people. Yeah. It was funny. Jay and I went to just like, we went and got um, subs and salads yesterday and we sat down and there was like, a, um, it was almost like a home run derby, but it was for bowling, whatever channel they had on at like the local sub shop, you know, we sat down and I just said to Jay, you know, there's something for everybody. Like, look at, they look at these bowlers. They have fans holding signs and, you know, it was like how many strikes they could make in two minutes. It was really freaking impressive. I gotta say these guys were unbelievable. And it looked like it was going to be in the gutter and then it would just like curve back and they'd get strikes. So yeah, it was like a home run derby. And it was like this, Mm -hmm. all this excitement. And, um, and I was looking, I'm like, you know, we could be resellers having a discussion about something and everybody would think we're so weird, you know, yeah. can't believe this is what they do. Like, right. but, um, but like I do, I think there's like subcultures for everybody. And I'm just Absolutely. so happy that I, I have found my people. Yes. It's so nice to have people. It is <laughs> people it that really understand is. you. And, and hopefully this episode was, I don't know, entertaining. Helpful. I don't know. I don't know. My numbers weren't that great. But- I mean, not, not in the sense that I feel like I didn't have as much detail as, I wanted to give, you know, but but I think it gives people a good snapshot into like the reality of reselling. And a lot of it is it's, it's work. You got to know what works for you, what categories work for you, what brands work for you, um, knowing what your average sale price is and seeing if that is going to bring you to whatever your total cost, whatever your total numbers have to be at the end of the year, all that kind of stuff. You know, there's, you could really dive deep in all of this, but for us, it's more of a reflection, you know, and and a reality check for ourselves. And maybe other people that are listening, like, hey, you, you know, these two women that, you know, whether you look up to us, which is, I always like, am flabbergasted when people are like, oh, I, you know, I look up to you and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we appreciate all those kind words, but it's, um, you know, we sell what everyone else sells. We're not doing anything special, you know, it's just putting in the work. And yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it's, it, this is not, I say it a million times, this is uh, a simple job. It's not an easy job. Right. It's not yeah. rocket science, but it's a hustle, man. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, today was one of those days, like I, I've already listed 10, which is, doesn't seem like a lot, but it was like, there was a lot of steaming today. There was some measuring. Caitlin came we had the podcast going like it, it is constant work and it is a grind. And for every one Burberry. All right. Well, we got cut off. Zoom cut us off. So we had no more storage and I have no memory. So I have no idea what, was <laughs> so we have no idea what was happening, but we're going to wrap it up guys. Thank you so much for um, listening to this week's episode. Hopefully this was um, insightful, right? Yeah. 
always fun. And I definitely was in need of a little check-in with myself and um, looking forward to like routine again, excited to get back to listing and back to basics. And I think just, just parting words, we didn't really touch too much on listing. And um, that is just such an integral part of any sales. So like you, you have to be listing consistently, um, whatever your consistent looks like. But I mean, that, that definitely drives the sales. You know what I mean? If you're having a slow day of sales or a slow week, I say list. That's always yeah. my best advice. I agree. List, list, list. Do it all the time. It's a behavior that you need to instill in yourself if you're a reseller. It's just part, it. just part of it. It is. All right, friends. Thank you so much for listening to us go off. <laughs> per the <laughs> usual. <laughs> Thank you for listening to us, for coming on this journey with us, listening to our episodes every week. Um, if you feel so inclined and you want to support us, we have a Patreon group. Uh, link is in the show notes for that. It's $5 a month. And then um, if you guys could head over to Apple Podcast and give us a rating, that actually helps us quite a bit. It lets other people know that you guys like our podcast and it pushes up the um, YouTube, listen to me, the Apple (laughs) podcast chart. So if you want other resellers to find our content um, and you want to help. Yeah. Thank you to everybody who's ever left us a review. Yeah. It's so nice to see those reviews. So uh, even if you don't want to write a review, just hit the five stars. That's that's Oh yeah. That works. And it's free. (laughs) That is free. You don't have to, there's no, there's no payment involved. So uh, all right, that's it guys. We will be back next week. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. This is just a reminder that Thrifters Villas Patreon is officially live. You can find us on patreon.com backslash Thrifters Villa. It is just $5 a month where we're going to offer you bonus content, extra episodes, a free downloadable a month, and live events. So make sure to check us out there and we will see you next week.